The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. Matthew chapter number 6. And I know you don't know me and we don't know each other, but we're still working at this. Uh, I heard about a young man that thought, boy, I'm going to really get ahead. Uh, I'm looking for a girl and trying to meet girls, and I know how to do it. So he went to a ski resort, and he thought, I know what I'll do. I'm going to sit next to the young women on the ski slope, on the uh, lift going up. And when I do, I'll know their name because it's written right on their skis, and they put them on there. And he thought, this will be good. So he sat down next to a young lady. He looked at her. She looked at him. He said, good morning. How are you doing, rental? Anyway, uh, you'll figure that out later. All right, let's, uh, let's turn there to Matthew chapter 5, please. Matthew chapter 6. I'm sorry, I keep saying 5, but I want to say Matthew chapter 6. And again, we've enjoyed our stay here at Pensacola. We appreciate the hospitality so much. This is a, just a wonderful place. This is a world-class environment. God has just done great things, and we appreciate uh, the staff, the faculty, those who have been here some many years, some who've come on recently. We thank God for this ministry and this place. I was here a few years ago uh, during the election, and I was here for the morning when uh, Dr. Shoemaker rarely uh, rarely he had to reprimand some students about uh, staying up late. And I thought, man, uh, but everybody listened, listened well. And, uh, and the reason they listened is because he so rarely would ever say something like that. And then this morning, we hear this incredible announcement by Dr. Lenz, and uh, we really need to take heed and pray and pray for America. How many of you have or are working at having a prayer life. Could I see your hand? You're working at developing a prayer life. We all need to do better. We all need to pray more. When we get to heaven, we'll never hear, I'm sorry, my son. I'm sorry, my daughter. You prayed way too much on this earth. I think we'll all feel negligent in that area of life, but pray for America. Matthew 6, verse 24, only that verse I'll read. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. If you have a Bible, turn it quickly to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And I'd like to read verse number 5. Philippians chapter 2. And we'll go there eventually. Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. I want to continue where we left off yesterday on the subject, a mastermind. 
And I'll get to how to develop a mastermind in just a few moments. A mastermind. Having a mind that is mastered by the Lord Jesus Christ. A mind that is under the control of the Holy Spirit of God. A mind that is given over to the good things of God instead of the negative and the sinful and the bad practices of this world. A mastermind. Father, thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. We pray your blessing upon your word, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our text in Matthew chapter 6 is a great chapter in your Bible. Jesus is beginning to give application to some of the things he has spoken about, about where your treasure is, where your life is, where your mind is. And he begins to deal with this matter of a double-minded life or a divided life. And he says, no man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. He was saying he wants us to be single-minded, if you will, wholehearted toward God. He would say later on to a young man, a lawyer, who would come and say, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus would answer him and say, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. He is calling them to have a mind that is mastered by Christ, not given over to a divided life. I mean, I meet spiritual schizophrenics everywhere I go, people who can't make their minds up about the things of God, who can't make their minds up about what they want in life. Yet he said, no man can serve two masters. Two men were sitting by the side of a road, and they watched as a, a man walked down the road, or, and, uh, and they were walking, and it was two men together, and they were walking towards a divide in the road, and there was a dog following them both. One of the men stood, sitting on the side of the road said, I wonder whose dog that is. He said, you'll know in a moment, because when they hit that divide in the road, the dog is going to follow his master. And when decisions come and life comes, we ought to follow Christ in whatever God has called us to do. Years ago, I preached here, and I'd been in a youth conference not long before, and I guess a number of students must have been present. And during the uh, preaching time, uh, it was a lively place. They said amen a lot. And uh, I told them that I was in a camp meeting where a fellow got all excited, and uh, he stood up. And uh, if you've ever been in a camp meeting, it's an unusual experience. People get very excited. Amen, brother, come on. And I, I like all that. I'm an Italian. I get excited about everything. I can cry over spaghetti. Amen. But uh, I like all that. But, man, uh, this fellow stood up during the preaching. And he said, amen, brother. And he said, shake that bush. 
I thought, what in the world was he talking about? Well, shake that bush means that uh, he liked it. He'd shake the tree and get more fruit out of it. And I was preaching here at the college, and I looked down, and there was kids that had little signs, and they started holding them up. They didn't think the teachers were watching. The professors, one said, amen. Another one said, yes. Another one over here said, shake that bush. So if you have one of those, uh, instead of saying amen, you can hold up a sign. But anyway, uh, if you like the sermon. But boy, we had, understand, we must serve Christ. We must serve him wholeheartedly. We must serve him with all of our mind, all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind for the glory of God. Now, we learned yesterday some steps to having a mastermind. Of course, the first step was girding the mind, getting our minds reined in to the place where we get it under the control of God. As God said in 1 Peter 1.15, to gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and hope to the end. And then, of course, there was the guarding of the mind, making sure that we have the over our minds that shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Proverbs 4.23, the Bible says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Your heart, your mind, the seed of affections, to hold it in, to be careful with it. Uh, don't just give your heart away to everybody that walks by and says hi to you. Young fella comes up, you're so cute, you're so beautiful, and say, okay, thank you very much. God bless you. He might even write you a poem. Thank you, buddy. Listen, uh, I think guys, young men, uh, don't get all excited about a fellow who writes a poem. Make sure that he can work and with his hands and get something done. So uh, keep your heart, keep your mind, and make sure uh, to not to just give it away to anything that comes along. Well, we uh, briefly touched on the guidance of the mind. I love what Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. As we give our life to God, He helps us in our thoughts. Some of you know uh, Isaiah 26.3, and if you know it, you could uh, sort of say it with me as I quote that great verse of Scripture, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. But the next verse says, trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. So to give our mind to God, to keep our mind stayed upon Jehovah, and we know that great song, uh, stayed upon Jehovah and all that, to love him, to serve him, to glorify him, and hearts are truly blessed. Now, this morning I want to speak a bit on the growing of the mind. Uh, growing your mind to think the way God wants us to think. I know that Peter's last words written to the churches on earth, the last words that he ever penned, the very last verse that he ever penned, talking about the second coming of Christ, speaking about the judgment. I believe personally that we are in the very last moments, seconds, hours of the last days, and I believe that Jesus Christ could come any moment. He could come in the twinkling of an eye. Just like that, Christ is going to come. But the last thing he said to the churches was this, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Knowledge, the wonderful word to take his knowledge in, his experience of God. 
walking with Christ daily and in the knowledge. He wanted them to grow. The Apostle Paul was writing to the church, and he said in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, to a carnal church, a divided church, a church that had a lot of issues, and he wrote to straighten them out. I've heard people say, well, I'm a carnal Christian. Okay, good. Well, in 2 Corinthians, he wrote back, it said they were carnal, but they repented of their carnality, and they got right. So there's no category to hide under to say, well, I'm a carnal Christian. Uh, that doesn't even, it doesn't gel. But in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, he said, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. You know what he was saying? I want you to grow up. Toddlers and little children are amazing. My wife is uh, probably running, she runs for grandmother of the year every year. We have eight grandchildren, and I mean, they're, uh, they're amazing. We love grandchildren. We believe they are God's reward for putting up with their parents. But anyway, we love grandchildren. They are just great. And I love them. They're so cute and cuddly, especially the little ones. We'll see our little, uh, our youngest grandchild, uh, Jackson. We'll see him hopefully this afternoon. They're so cute. But understand, little babies think about one thing all the time, all day, every day. Little babies, I hate to say this to you, little babies think about themselves. They always think about their wants, their needs what they have. We raised five children, and every now and then about, you know, any time, two, three in the morning, you hear this little noise in the next room. You hear a little, first a little whimper. You go, quiet, don't, don't move. Don't even breathe. Uh-oh. Oh, no, please, not now. We're so tired. It's three in the morning. And you hear them squeak a little bit and make a little noise. And, and oh, no, please, please. Next thing you know, they are just crying. He said, so, well, they'll stop. They'll stop. Just, just be still. Don't even, shh. And then here it comes. You hear them taking a breath. Uh-oh, what's this? And they start crying 3 o'clock in the morning. Sounds like a siren going off. Sounds like an air raid signal. They think, oh, what in the world is this? No, it's the police. It's an ambulance. No, it's a little child. And they want something. Now, wait. Have you ever heard of an infant or a little toddler? Sit down and say, Mommy's tired. She's sleepy. She's had a long day. Daddy has just really worked hard. I'm going to wait for a while. I'll just let them sleep, and I'll just busy myself looking at the little stars and stuff we hang above them and all the little distractions we put above their little crib and try to keep them quiet. And uh, I'll, just be, I'll just be still for a little while and amuse myself. They don't do that at all. They start crying. They start screaming. And if they have a tummy ache and something, uh, mom can be up all night long, finally get them down to sleep. They wake up again. When they want something, they only think of themselves. They not only only think of themselves, <laughs> little children are takers. It's always about them, me, my. Man, we raised five kids. When they were little toddlers, you'd watch one of them, and he wanted something that the other one had. You could see him looking at him, and I'd sit on the side and just sort of observe, and they'd look around, and they'd look real good, and uh, sort of walk over and whoosh, grab that Lego and walk away with it. 
or grab that little doll and walk away. Why would a little boy want a little doll? So he can do mean things with a little doll. But I'm saying uh, we'd have all that going on. And they take. They're not givers. They're not able to give. Why? Because they have a self mentality. Their mind is about themselves. They don't only think about themselves. Little children cry a lot. They whimper. They murmur. They cry a lot. They, they get upset when things don't go their way. I mean, eh, there's no more Rice Krispies over at the Four Winds. Well, I got some, but they were stale anyway. Oh, they ran out of 2% milk. I have to drink that red vitamin D stuff. Oh, man, they ran out of gluten-free. They ran out of this. They ran out of... I mean, we get upset about the most mundane things. You, have you ever been to a third, third world country? Have you ever been to one? Maybe you were raised in one. You've been to a country where uh, milk is so rare and Rice Krispies are so hard to find. And even the McDonald's, when you finally get to one, it doesn't taste the same as it is here in America. We have been blessed and we've been spoiled. And somewhere along the way, we start to believe that we deserve all this stuff. And infancy and immaturity causes people to cry a lot. Paul said, now I'm a man. I'm going to think like a man. I'm going to have the mind of a man, the heart of a man. I'm going to walk like a man instead of a child. Now that man is generic. So that, ladies, it doesn't mean for the turkey bowl. You don't have to get all the guys together. Come on, dudes, let's play. <laughs> uh, he's talking about uh, you still being yourself, being a young man, being a young lady, and being all that you are, but to learn maturity for the glory of God. <clears throat> now, this morning, the apostle was writing to the church at Philippi, and he gave them the key to this wonderful idea of having a mind mastered by God. We're no longer thinking about food and fashion, constantly living about what we're doing, about ourselves, me, my, and I, no longer concerned and worried about the future, but rather, he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in who? Help me, Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. I want to spend a moment there and be done, and we'll finish this tomorrow night. If you'll be in church, and I'm sure many of you have to work, but if you can be there, I'll speak on the renewing of the mind. But Philippians chapter 2 Philippians chapter 2, if you could turn there, let this mind be in you. He already mentioned the importance of being like-minded all the way back in verse 2. He said that he prayed that they would be, fulfill my joy, that you may be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. To be like-minded means to have understanding, to be wise, to be agreed together, to cherish the same things, to have the same views. And so he wants us to be like-minded, and then he wants us to be, if you will, to live a life where we live lowliness, to live out lowliness of mind. And he made that very clear 
Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. Verse 3, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. To have a humble opinion of oneself, modesty, a deep sense of one's own littleness. To realize how small we really are. And understand that life does not revolve around any one person. Is that true or false? A little baby thinks the whole world revolves around me. A mature man realizes it's that it's not about us. It's all about Christ in us, the hope of glory. To develop this mind, I have wrote down three or four things. First of all, there must be submission. There must be in us a heart level submission. I'm not talking about being a doormat. I'm not talking about being mindless. I do not refer to us just where we can never look up and say good morning or be cheerful. I'm talking about a submission that says, my life is yielded to the perfect will of God for me. The the Lord Jesus, God said he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, in verse 7, and took upon him the form of a servant. You know, in the garden, where he cried out, he said, Father, if this cup pass from me, he prayed about that, but he said, nevertheless, not as I will, but what? As thou wilt. Submission. Secondly, substitution. To lay our mind aside for the mind of Jesus Christ. In fact, God even said, we have the mind of Christ. Verse number five, he said, let this mind be in you. Have you ever just backed up and thought, well, how would the Lord Jesus think about this matter? What would he say about this? What would Christ do in this given situation? Would he throw a temper tantrum because We ran out of towels in the room. Would he get mad because he couldn't find his tennis shoe for the game? How would Christ react to life's circumstances? To let it, substitution, and then there's seeking. We must seek to have the mind of Jesus Christ. Colossians 3 said it like this, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. You understand, young men, young ladies, I'm sure that you all, many of you, have someone in mind today. Some of you are thinking about a person uh, that's special in your life, or maybe you're looking ahead to that day. When you have a young lady or a young man and you're thinking about them, remember this. God said you'll you'll have no other gods before him. You must put Jesus first. You must seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's what he said in Matthew 6, 33. That's how he concluded about food and fashion and friendships and fitness and all the other things we put in front of God. Put him first, and then there is saturation. Holding forth the word of life. 
And Paul said that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. You must saturate your life with this incredible, wonderful, awesome, God-breathed book and the Word of God. We must give our lives to it. We must pray over it. We must even weep over Scripture and say, by God's grace, I want everything that God has for me. Give me your thoughts. And finally, this morning, there is servanthood. He made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. Servanthood, one definition I read recently says, quote, devoted to another to the disregard of one's interests. I asked my wife this morning, how would you define servanthood? And she gave me a good definition, and I wrote it down, and I thought I'd share with you. This is from my wife, Susan. Quote, laying down your rights for the needs of others. Being a servant, giving our life for God, that is exactly what Jesus did. Paul would eventually conclude this chapter of Philippians 2. He would say of Timothy, Timotheus, you know the proof of him that is a son with the Father, he has served with me in the gospel. The word doulos, the word meaning a servant, an under rower, and all the things that that entails. Epaphroditus, I supposed it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, companion in labor, fellow soldier, but your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants. God said, because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. Jesus, the Lord Jesus, he humbled himself and took upon him the form of a servant. That is the mind, the master mind God wants us to develop. My wife and I were in the inner harbor of the city of Baltimore a number of years ago. We were out on a date. We were walking out, just walking by an area where people sit around, and I looked over, and there was a young man sitting there, and he had on a long trench coat. He had hair that was shaved, but he had spikes running right down the middle of his head, a bunch of them, I mean, different colored, red, blue, yellow spikes. They were sticking straight up. I don't know how he got his hair to do that. And I looked at him, and I thought, man, what a mess, and I walked by, and, and my wife said, honey, did you see that kid? I said, yeah, I did, but while I was walking, it was like the Lord just said, why don't you go back there and speak to him because such were some of you. And I went and turned around. I said, you think we could just take a moment and witness to that kid? She said, I was thinking the same thing. He just needs the Lord. And we walked back. And when we did, I sat down with him and said, what's your name? He said, Tommy. And Tommy knew all about Jesus and asked, why didn't Jesus have a veil over his face? And I said, Jesus, like Moses, unlike him, he laid aside his glory, not his deity. My time is gone, but would you learn what it means to humble yourselves in him? You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, 
empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.